Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vitology Podcast, a podcast of Emmanuel Faith Church. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Josh, how are you? All right. I'm doing very well. Uh, this is another edition of our live podcast. So uh, you can join in. We we would love it if you let us know that you're here in the comments, whether you're joining us on Facebook or on YouTube. Um, we're glad to have you. If you're joining us later on the podcast feed, we're so glad that you found us. And uh, we, we really pray that this can actually bring life to you as well, because that's what Vitology is all about. It's about the study of life. And we believe that Jesus is the one who shows us how to really live. And uh, and we we pray that we can point you in that direction a little bit today. Absolutely. And uh, and we can pray we have some fun doing it. I think we will, Josh. We've yeah, got some we fun, fun topics that we're going to yes. try to tackle. And yes, we do. Questions that uh, either people have come up, with, you know, given us or that you've come up with. So that's <laughs> either right. Way, it's going to be fun. And then whatever people put in that uh, chat column, we'd love to interact with you, like Josh said. With some questions, we'll give Josh all the hard ones and we'll go from there. Sounds great. Sounds great. We're having some fun with our camera right now. And so you can hear us on the podcast. You could probably hear us on Facebook, um, but for some reason, you cannot see us. If you can, um, would you just let me know in the comments and say, we can see you fine, Josh. It's just your computer that is having issues, which is definitely, possibly, most likely the case. And so um, <laughs> I may have to figure out something, but we have Connie. Connie's here. She's just saying a hearty amen, an amen and amen. Now, right Connie... On. I just want to know if you see me at all, because um, I know I can't see you. I see a camera that looks like it's on. Yeah. I don't, Ryan doesn't see it. It's not looking no, good there. It's not looking good. Ryan, way to go. Look at that. So This is us right now. And uh, and so that's a problem right there. Uh, a problem. Yep. They, thanks, hon. My wife says, uh, can't see you. And so, um, Ryan, would you tell us a little bit about, um, you're going to hear us for just a second while I do some fixing. Okay. And so, um, so here, let's. Uh, here's what we're gonna do. What we do here is uh, we take a little bit of uh, of the sermon and try to figure out where to go with this. So would yeah. you give us a reminder of what the sermon is about? You got it. Yeah. Do you want me to preach or just come uh, on? No. Bring it. You know, we uh, this last Sunday we continued our series that we've been calling here um, "Rebuild My Life," and the sort of the idea behind this series has been that 2020 and COVID and all the surrounding events of this last year uh, took some things from us, that there were some challenges, some difficulties. And so when we crafted this series, we wanted to talk about how do we rebuild some of the vital parts of our life that we in some ways lost over this last year. And so we talked about rebuilding our vision and our the our vision by that we meant the way that we expect God to infuse us with his power to bring about renewal. And then the next week we followed that up with a, a message that we called rebuild my priorities and we this is all through the book of Nehemiah so we've been looking at Nehemiah and rebuild our priorities. He had this great line in Nehemiah 6 where he said, I can't come down from the wall. I'm doing too great of a work. And then this week we talked about rebuilding our generosity. And sort of the idea behind that was that uh, one of the things that seems to have been stolen from us in 2020 is the ability to look outside of ourselves. And we said that 
one of our tendencies when we're in seasons of scarcity is to be pretty insular and myopic and to really focus on ourselves at the expense of looking outside of ourselves. And so we, uh, we talked about rebuilding our generosity. And um, so one of the ways we talked about that caving in on ourselves, and the way that we see that is even in our political uh, interactions and, you know, unwilling to give ground. Like we're not generous, not just with our money, but like in interpersonal ways, we've have been a little bit stingy also, I think. Yeah. And so uh, we tried to name that. And then, uh, you know, Nehemiah in Nehemiah, uh, chapter five, I thought gave us five things, five ways to move forward in a more mm-hmm. generous that's way. Right. Yes. And so uh, th- that's really was the crux of the message on Sunday. Yes. I thought it was a powerful message. And there's a number of things that I want to talk about. And uh, we uh, we we are back. You can see us now. And thank you for everybody. Uh, we can see you now. Thank you. You know, um, we had to switch cameras real fast. And, you're, you know, you're good. You're good, Josh. <laughs> You know, sometimes you have to learn how to be a, a jack of all trades. Yeah, you flexible. Know, figure out how to make things work. So, so um, there. Th- this this was a powerful message, and you know, it was a it was a challenging message. I think to a lot of people. And and you, you said a phrase in the beginning of this message that caught my attention. Yeah, that I wanted to draw us to and to kind of see if we can uh, flesh this out a little bit because. Uh, the, the message was calling us to to speak with a prophetic voice yeah against all sorts of things we'll get to some of what those are but um that phrase a prophetic voice um i don't know out there if in the in the internet over everywhere wherever you are if that's a phrase that's familiar to you or not um to to be have a prophetic voice and so um, I wanted to ask you a little bit to explain yeah. some of that. And yeah, what that's do you mean a, by that. That's a great question because I think some people can either misunderstand that or just not have any clue what we're talking about. Yeah. So um, let me. It may help to differentiate it from um, prophecy in general. So yes. prophecy in the scripture is uh, could mean one of two things uh, or both. But it's uh, prophecy is either a foretelling or a forthtelling. So you can think of a foretelling uh, in the sense of this is going to happen. Somebody makes a prophecy. There's going to be a famine in the land. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be an outpouring of the spirit. There's the, this is going to happen. There's an event or yeah. something that's so going to happen. Like the the virgin will be with child. Will be with child. That's a prophecy. Yeah, all Emmanuel. the prophecies of Christ. Got sure. it. Okay. Okay. Um, the second is a forth telling. So not a foretelling, but a forth telling. Thus saith the Lord. Like mm-hmm. God is speaking to us and we need to listen. That, that type of a... And, and when the prophet spoke, oftentimes in the Old Testament, it was like literally God is telling me to tell you this. Hmm. And in the New Testament, um, it didn't seem to be quite as definitive as that, or at least at times it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And... Um, like you may see prophecy in the New Testament as a word of knowledge uh, or a word of encouragement to somebody and, but, but prophecy nonetheless. So um, foretelling and forthtelling. And so when we talk about being a prophetic people or having a prophetic voice into our culture, we're not necessarily talking about forthtelling. So we're not saying here's what's going to happen. What, what we're talking about is foretelling. 
Yeah, sorry. Not going to be, yeah, yeah. Foretelling. So it's not yeah. foretelling. Correct. We are talking about foretelling, right? Telling. So, yeah. like, in the way that the prophets often interacted was they called people to justice. They mm. called people back to the way of God. Mm. They called people to realign themselves with the commands of God, uh, specifically to be people of love and justice. That mm. was, I would say, the foundation of the old mm. covenant. And so they would point out ways that people weren't doing that and call them back to center, call them back to God. And when I talk about being a prophetic voice, uh, that's what I have in hmm. mind, is calling us back to the way of Jesus and in many ways calling out idolatry, calling hmm. out ways that uh, were missing the heartbeat of the Father and drawing people back to God. Yeah. So I'll often say, I hope we have Christians in both the Democratic and the Republican Party, and I hope yes. that they're a prophetic voice within that party, meaning yes. that they're calling that party back to God and pointing out ways that they're missing the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, that's really good. Yeah, in fact, the, there's there's people who, uh, oh, I, I had a friend, I had a friend in college who he, he felt called to be a uh, a Catholic priest. Now. He his theology was was similar to ours, okay, uh -huh. very much like in line. I mean, the guy was solid, yeah. But he wanted to be a prophetic voice in mm. that in right in Catholicism to to help. So so do that's you, got. It's, do you, it's do you know what the irony of that is? Please do. Um, so did Martin Luther, <laughs> right? Like right. Yeah. Martin Luther actually never wanted to start the Protestant Reformation. Mm. He was actually hoping for reformation from within the church not mm. outside of it so yeah that's it's sort of it's funny that he wanted to be a reformer within the catholic church or prophetic within the catholic church yeah so did luther yeah didn't turn out that way yeah not spoiler so alert Oof. that didn't that didn't go the way that didn't, luther that thought it would work. and so but a, a prophetic voice can be confrontational at times um when i read through the prophets most of the time it is mm. uh, there's a reason that prophets weren't liked oftentimes mm. weren't listened to. Um, number one, they were sort of weird guys. Yeah. Um, by calling, they were, they were weird. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you have guys like Ezekiel cooking his, being told by God to cook his food over dung for, I believe it's three years. That's mm. right. That's um, right. Uh, preaching naked for a time, some of the prophets, you know, oh, yeah. so they, they did, oh, yeah. they did all sorts of different things. So they were pegged as weird guys, number one, but like they were calling people out. Yeah. You know, I think of Martin Luther King Jr., right? Uh -huh. he, he had a prophetic voice. Uh -huh. And um, I know we, we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day now, which is great, praise mm -hmm. God. I don't know how many of us would like him if he were still here. Oh, wow. You think he'd, he'd call even me out? I, th I, I think he would. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I, wow, just a, I, I just, I wonder as I read some of the things he wrote, right, in his letters yeah. from Birmingham oh, yeah. Jail, which Absolutely. is so powerful and Absolutely. poignant. And he's calling out the church in it yes. in, in so many ways. Calling, yes. He's a prophetic voice uh, saying, gosh, God's got something way better for us, you guys. Yeah, what did I read? That it's not so much the, uh, oh, uh, it's not the the far <laughs> extremes. It's the people in the middle mm -hmm. who won't say anything. Yeah, is the people that he's kind of most angry at in that letter. Yeah. Um, so now that's interesting because that would lead me to think that as a Christian, there's always going to be something to call it. Not, I mean, 
in a lot of ways, especially when we're dealing with with the power structures, with with our, our government that that I and we mentioned this last time that there's almost no well, there's no side of especially American politics or any politics that you can full heartedly say this is the Christian. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I use the analogy often. Um, I think Joshua five is a great hmm. uh corollary to our situation. So in Joshua five, uh, the angel of the Lord's army comes up to Joshua and, uh, Joshua asks him, whose side are you on ours or theirs? And the, the Lord answers, no, yes, I love no. That. And it's like, well, that wasn't one of the options. And, and the Lord's <laughs> like, I don't need your options. And I think, <laughs> I, I think the point of it is it, it, the question isn't, um, is God on our side or not? The question is, are we on God's side? Yeah. And so Joshua is forced to ditch the categories of us, them that he had mm -hmm. and to wrestle with a deeper question of what does it look like to be a follower of God? Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And, uh, and if that's the case, then, um, if we should be calling out, then, um, we shouldn't just uh, play the game of politics as much as Christians, right? I mean, because if that game often says, well, I'm going to put up with something, so-and-so, what someone does and says, uh, because of some greater goal, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's sense like um, it, it's good for us as Christians to be, to call out, uh, to call out problems when they're there, yeah. wherever they are. Definitely. I mean, I, and there's, I think it's difficult, Josh. I don't know. I'd be interested what some of our yeah. listeners see too, but one of the challenging parts of that is, you know, I think of Jesus's statement in Matthew chapter seven, before you point out the, uh, speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, mm. you know, make sure yeah, you yeah, exactly. pull the plank out of your own as, as if to say, yeah, it's, it's easy to be a prophetic voice to everybody else, but what does it look like to honestly bring yourself before God and say, search me and know me, which I think is of the utmost importance anytime you feel like God's calling you to call people, anybody yes. out per se. So I think there's, that's a really, really important thing. The, the second thing I would just say is, man, it's always with gentleness and respect, with truth and love. Mm -hmm, and that mm -hmm. the, the hope is that um, we're all together moving towards the kingdom and moving mm. towards Christ. And to your point, is there, there's always going to be something Martin Luther in the very first of the 95 theses he posted to the Wittenberg door, his first was all of life is repentance. Yes. And meaning that like this changing our mind and coming to the realization huh. that you know, we're out of alignment with the way of yeah. Jesus, that that's just part of our ongoing sanctification mm. So people could call us out for a number of things on any given day. And so I, I guess we don't do it from a place of being higher than, no, but yeah. of love and wanting hmm. flourishing for all, all of humanity. Like that, that would be our goal. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. So you, you might say if, if uh, prophecy, we often think about, like you're saying, as that foretelling, mm -hmm. uh, and we often think of it as, as if it's, something that was given to us, you know, given us by God in some kind of unique, special revelation of sense, like scripture is where it's, it's saying that something would happen down the road, yeah. right? And that, that instead of it being a word for the future, that it's, it's actually a word for today. Yeah. And, 
and maybe just as much given to us by God, not yeah. necessarily in the the special revelation kind that we you know that we notice in Scripture, mm-hmm. but in a yeah, in a I think point. in so many ways that you know that's what preaching is. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. it's a prophetic act in that way. Um, I think that we're called to be a prophetic community, mm-hmm. meaning that we speak into each other's lives when we see. When we see something, we say something. When we're, we're like, as mm-hmm. God prompts us, we step in with people and pray for people. And uh, that in so many ways, we're called to be a prophetic people. Okay. Okay. I love that. And, and, and so that, that really was, uh, that was the, what you, you wanted to see in this message in, in a lot of ways. Right. And you gave us some ways to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I love it. And so, yeah. yeah and my but, lens specifically was, generosity yeah, right that in, yeah, totally in so many ways we live in this cultural moment where we're putting on all of um our, our sort of our our gear to like make yeah. sure we're not getting hurt and we're closing ourselves off and i get it i do the same i'm, I'm doing the same thing but i as i'm reading this i'm just seeing nehemiah looking outside of himself outside of his own betterment and how he could benefit from a system hmm. that's what struck me about this was Nehemiah does some things in Nehemiah chapter five that hurt him personally, but serve the greater good publicly. And I'm going, gosh, what? That's the kind of leader that God seems to use. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and, and I just got to point out that um, you said something in the sermon that I think is powerful. And I think that, that at at home, um, this is, this is good for you to remember that uh, there was a temptation in a sense to you know preach a separate message yeah on this and to go go off top you know off, off right book, not off book it would have been in the book but at least to go off of the series because this was such an important event in our world and yet you felt like this was the this was the best message that it yeah. could have been and this was planned well before right and i i just love it when that happens man. yeah it is so cool and, and it was a different sort of angle if you will oh, for sure of, of the way i would have taught it had there not been an insurrection at the Capitol yeah, and our, yeah. you know, sort of collective political pulses racing, uh, I, I would have taught it a little bit differently, probably mm-hmm. if not, but the points were, would have all been the same. The mm-hmm. framework would have just, and the lens might have been a little bit different, but mm-hmm. it's all right there in the text. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I love that. And, you know, some of the things that uh, that you mentioned, uh, we want to. I don't know if we'll get through all of them, but um, you, you mentioned listen openly. Yeah, that that in order for us to be prophetic, I mean, it's kind of like we got to know we got to know where the injustice is, right? And and right. we've got, we've got to have eyes to see it. Yeah, and uh, and that that is something that we and by we let's just call it as it is, um, white Christians. Okay, I just want to say um, we have not seen injustice as well as we can. All right, I yeah, mean, I think that's probably true on the whole. And, yeah, you know, and not—I mean, not every. There's some people really notice it and see it and and call it out and help us, help me. Um, but it takes listening now. Um, and and you mentioned some, you mentioned some resources, some some books even um, of ways that we can enter in and listen and, yeah. and and it's really being taught right yeah i mean and i think that's so 
I'll, I'll sort of answer anecdotally. When I was at South Fellowship, we did a, um, we were part of a ministry that, uh, where we opened up our church once a quarter, set up a bunch of beds and had, um, people experiencing homelessness come and sleep in our church, lived mm-hmm. in our church mm-hmm. for a week. And we would, um, you know, feed them. And so our small group, every single time we hosted family promise would make a meal mm-hmm. and go mm-hmm. and sit down across the, you know, the table from some homeless people and, uh, interact with them. And, the the thing that shocked me, I had in my mind, and I'd interacted with a lot of homeless people. I had I had homeless guys live with me for two years in college. Yes, that's right. Um, a, we should did a do lot a, of homeless ministry. That's a whole another story. Whole podcast on those stories. Kelly won't let us. <laughs> she's like, if she's listening now, she's, she's like, Brian, like, don't, 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 <laughs> don't go there. Um, so. <laughs> but so, so but the interesting thing about this, Josh, is this: these these were families. And it was like, usually it was one or two bad decisions without an infrastructure of family and people around them. And they were home, they were on the streets Mm. and, you know, listening to their stories just opened Mm. my heart to Mm. go, gosh, Lord, how, how might you want to use your church? Oh, Kelly's listening. She says, no, don't. Don't. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Let's just, let's just put that on there. Just so you see. Love you, babe. (laughs) I won't. I promise. Maybe later. (laughs) (laughs) Let's make sure she's busy. But I mean, some of those stories just pricked my heart. And I, so I think that's the listening to the pain and what I've noticed, um, that my tendency is, and you may notice this in you also is that, um, I can come up with a story easier than I can listen to a story. And uh, I can draw conclusions better than I can hear somebody unpack for me Mm. sort of how it got there. And so in the message, I talked about, you know, generalities, assumptions, and prejudices that Mm. like, this is why this happened to somebody. And um, that was one of the things about the book. I mentioned just mercy that, uh, it really pricked my heart and challenged me and made me angry and sad all at the same time to just go, all right, Lord, I need to listen. I oh, need to listen, man. not talk. Yeah. Yeah. And not explain and not try to qualify. Yeah. But, or well, if they would have then, yeah, but just listen. Just, Oh my goodness. Well, um, I'll, I'll tell you that, that actually really challenged me. In fact, that book has been on my you know, list. I've got a long list, you know, and, and, uh, and it's kind of been on my radar and I've been wanting to read it. So on Martin Luther King, I, uh, I, I began and, uh, what'd you think? My goodness. I'm, I'm about halfway through and, um, I've cried, um, and cried. <laughs> I don't think, um, I haven't, uh, there's, there's some, I'm hoping there's some redemption in there in a sense. Um, and yet, part of me thinks that this is what I need is just to, um, just to feel it. Yeah. And just to, to feel the pain. My goodness. Yeah. There is some, there's some hurt and some pain and, uh, you know, listening to that is, is, uh, is huge. That was, a, that was a good challenge for me to hear and, yeah. and, uh, and hopefully for us. And so, so for those who haven't read it, you could also watch the movie like Holly is suggesting. Yes. It is a phenomenal movie. So well done. And uh, really, you know, same yeah. message. So um, 
such a great film. Yeah, I have this thing about um, if there's a book, I want to read the book before watching the movie. Okay. So I still haven't done either. All right. So well, you're halfway there. There. It, yeah. Yeah. Halfway there. Next week, you can check on me. Yes. And <laughs> see if, <laughs> if we've watched. But um, that I think that's a that's a great point. You know, uh, so much of um, um, so much we we, we feel like we want to teach. Mm-hmm. and and explain and especially you know, teachers so we do we yeah exactly we we enjoy that and it's good for us to just listen at times and 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 even to let let others lead yeah you know and so in some way um it's it's allowing allowing someone to tell their story and mm-hmm. listen to it let, let them lead in it without stopping and saying you know yeah that invalidating their experience right is what you know what we, we can tend to do at times um i've learned that because i do that sadly i'm sorry honey i've done that with my wife before i've done that in conversations and and it's it's terrible but at times we just need to learn to yeah listen. well i think there's like a natural response to gosh this has been going on and i didn't say anything or mm-hmm. this has been going on and um, people like me have been part of that, the system that was created where this could happen or, you know, you name it. And there's a defense mechanism that wants to sort of distance ourselves from that pain, yeah. especially if we may in some really small part have been a part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gail, the name of the book oh, is yeah. Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Yeah. Great book. Just Mercy. Yeah. Fabulous book. Um, I put that on the screen, but it's I, I, all of my technology that I usually get to do is You're handcuffed. I'm handcuffed. I can't do it. Um, but we still have some uh, a, a lot of great discussion because uh, part of what we're listening to is uh, is the hurt and the pain, and 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 then the second step you you, you showed us was to confront injustice. Yeah, it's what Nehemiah did, and yeah. so he gathered. You know, he it says that he heard the the cry of outcry of his people and he got angry and then he gathers all the nobles mm-hmm. and leaders together and calls them out he just mm-hmm. calls them on the carpet and goes mm-hmm. this is what you're doing this is why it's wrong this is why it doesn't align with the way of god and you need to change yeah essentially yeah so and i love this this phrase i think i got it at least close i was i was as you were talking i was typing and it said this, uh, our worship of God always interacts and overlaps with the way we live our lives. Yeah. That our worship is tied, in a sense, to how we confront justice. Totally. And for Nehemiah, um, if you're going, well, is that biblical? Uh, just look at Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 9, and chapter 5, verse uh, 15. In both of those uh, texts, he says, you're treating people this way because you don't fear God. Mm. Or he said... Uh, the the opposite for him i'm treating people this way because i do fear god mm. and the way that we interact with god in our worship vertically it has always been designed to overflow in our lives to the way that we treat people mm. horizontally and so that's why when jesus uh, is asked for one command he actually gives two like yeah. what's the greatest command well love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength but he goes and the second one's like it love your neighbor as yourself and mm. is like it i think he's going like you can't actually do one without Ooh. doing two uh-huh. so it, it's impossible i mean and that's what john says right if you say you love your brother yeah. or you if you hate your brother who you can see but say yeah. you love god who you can't see 
he doesn't go, you might not love God. He says, you're a liar. Yeah. <laughs> like it, like John is so cut and dry, black and white. Yes. Uh, but that, that was his point. That was it, just you, the, the truth of God is not, it's in not you. in you. It's not in you. It's not in you. Oh, so, so yeah, there, there's this, a big piece of our worship needs to be how we interact with the people around us. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we, when we're in a society where there is injustice, which is every society, which is every society. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I guess, um, there's two sides of this. We could either not, you know, if we're not doing anything about it, that means we're, we're not really worshiping God. Would you say that? And then, but if we are doing something about it, at least on the positive side, that, that, that is actually a part of our worship. Yeah. Well, let's, I mean, you know, it's interesting. So our listeners may not be aware of this. You may, um, there's all sorts of debates in, uh, sort of current evangelicalism about the, some people call it the social gospel, yeah, right? So yeah. this idea of social justice and is caring for the poor, uh, the orphans, the widows, et cetera. Is this a part of the good news? Is this a part of the calling of the gospel? Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard people make it sound like that's a, that's a really bad word. Yeah. That, like, there's that a, idea out there, you yeah. know, and, um, the, sometimes the narrative is, well, that's the gospel you get if you don't take the Bible seriously. Hmm. And if you don't value, uh, inspiration of scripture, but if you do, well, then that's not, not a part of the gospel. The gospel is about how to get to heaven. Hmm. Um, not about what happens here on earth and certainly not about how you treat your fellow man. Yeah. Remember the verse that says that the gospel is about how to get to heaven. Right. You want to find that? I saw I found that one, but yeah, I don't think it's in there. That's right. But listen to what is in here. Um, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this: to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so, like when James is asked, "What's what's true, honest religion?" He says, "Well, it's actually." about the way that you treat the people around you and not, not just like the general people around you, but the least of these, the people that are most in need around you. It's about how you treat them. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we could go to a ton of other passages. Oh yeah. This is all over the scriptures. This is Jesus's initial sermon in Luke chapter four, right? Absolutely. Uh, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He's coming to proclaim good Good news news to the poor, you know, sight to the blind, freedom to the captives. This, when Jesus in Luke introduces the gospel, mm. it's in the context of a what we might even call a social justice type of a setting. Oh yeah. Like, so, huh? Now, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, you're, preach, you're jumping there but... because because well now, to be clear, um, so what you're saying is social. I mean, the Bible cares about justice and from the beginning. From yeah. the beginning. Now, now, okay, but justice even that word. Uh, I think it can go a number of ways because then then we're talking about societal justice would be would be social justice right yep. so so not just the justice between two people while that's a part of it but even broader than that even you know uh, I mean I hear words like like systemic mm-hmm. okay is that is that a synonym of social in a sense or of of a society's justice um, that that the Bible cares about all of that. Yeah. That more than just um, just because I think justice in a lot of ways, people, 
I hear it talked about as if someone's going to get justice. Certainly that. Meaning that they're going to get punished. So, yeah, that that's a part of justice. Part of justice, at times. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But there's more to justice than that. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Because there's more to the war going on for our souls and in our world than just interpersonal, right? Mm. So like, I think we have to think of it in terms of the world, the flesh, and the devil, mm. that all war against the human soul. And so there's all there's there's fragments of the longing for justice that happen in each of those categories. Mm. So I don't think we can just look at it in the flesh sense of like a one-on-one, -on -one, a personal justice, eye for an eye, whatever, however, you know, that type of an idea. But certainly, yeah, we live in a fallen, broken world. There are some mm. systems are unjust. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your if your question, but yeah, no, that's that's that's, that's getting at it. That it's it's it there's 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 more to justice than yeah. just getting even at the end. Totally. Um, and I would say that biblically, I think I'm thinking see, like we have Jesus saying in Matthew chapter um uh, was it five that you've heard it said an eye for an eye tooth yeah, for tooth that yeah. like lex talionis the yeah limiting of revenge yeah. right which is what that was mm -hmm. and yet but he says you know but i say to you mm -hmm. right don't repay someone the evil they've done so there is this idea of justice no doubt about it i think it's romans chapter 12 that says yeah. like let god be the one that gets yeah. vengeance let god be the one that exacts justice that's not your role yeah but then there's also this idea that justice is not just um, punitive. It's also restorative. Yeah. That God is not a God just that punishes wrong, but that he turns it right. Mm. He redeems it. He's a redeeming God. Mm -hmm. He buys it back and reshapes it for the good. And so I think as followers of Jesus, that needs to be what's ultimately mm. in our mind when we think about justice is certainly God writing the wrongs, but think of justice as taking something that's bent and bringing it back into flush. Yeah. So it's making right, which what was wrong. Correct. Before. That that we get to be agents of that, of trying to restore right. the world to its rights. Yeah. Yeah. N.T. Wright often uses the term turning the world to rights. Yeah. Yeah. I you love know. that. I love that. Okay, so that's uh, that's justice, and now social justice. Um, you know, I, I hear words like I hear people that have a hard time with that, and yeah. and and they they feel like it's and like you said, it's you know they feel like they're not taking the Bible um, literally and or you know seriously or something like that. Um, why do you think that is? Because I've also heard terms like like social gospel. Right. So I think, and I don't know for sure, but I think what, what goes on in people's minds is they've seen examples of the way that uh, churches and denominations who um, are for social justice mm -hmm. talk little to no nothing about Jesus. And I do think that that's a valid concern. So I just want to say, like, if if you're out there and you're going, well, Ryan, it makes me nervous when you talk about mm -hmm. confronting injustice, because I've seen what's gone on in the Methodist church, or I've seen what's gone on in some Presbyterian churches. And as you start talking about justice, you stop talking about Jesus. And 
I just want to say that's nowhere near my radar screen, right? Like <laughs> that I don't know how to talk about Jesus without talking about justice, but I also don't know how to talk about justice without talking about Jesus. I love like, that. Th- these I love are that. two sides of the same coin. And this is not the whole gospel, but you don't have the whole mm. gospel without it. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's a it's a distinct piece of the gospel because the way that we interact with the people around us shows that we trust Jesus as king. Okay. It shows that we're living in his way with his heart. It shows that we are that we know that we're loved by the Father and it, we exhibit that by the way we love God and love people. Okay. So now if I, if I remember right from you know all of the history of, you know, religion classes and history of the church classes. If I remember right, that the, the social gospel is, is really the idea that, uh, that what we're to do, what we're to be a part of is, um, is just healing the world in a sense. So yeah. just, just bringing about justice on the world, but, but it kind of spiritualizes everything else that Jesus says. So it, it kind of, it, it kind of doesn't, you know, uh, the real hope isn't in the resurrection, but more in like, you know, somehow they'll say something about, you know, resurrected Christ being here <laughs> among yeah. us, so, which, okay, um, over-spiritualizing over it instead of um, taking a, a true and I, and I think part of it is maybe like a secular humanism repackaged mm-hmm. to say, like, like uh, infused yeah. with spirituality, but really the hope is progress. Got it. The hope is some sort of utopia here on earth, and maybe we can make the world a better place and heal the human race yeah, and all that. And yeah, we, we can yeah. do it, right? We can do it. And that that's not the narrative of the social um, push in the scriptures. It's that it. people matter, that God matters. And ultimately, like any sort of quote-unquote social justice needs to terminate and that people would see our good deeds and glorify our father in heaven. Mm -hmm. Like that this is all leading to worship, which is the alignment of our hearts with reality. And it allows us to live in the freedom that Jesus died to give us. Yeah. And so that's why we see Jesus both feeding people and dying for people. It wasn't just one or the other. He Mm -hmm. did both. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and the church needs to do both as well. I think that that we're called and we're sent in the same way that he was sent. It's not an it's not an either or, it's a both and. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Now, At least I think so. That's like that that's my perspective. People oh, disagree yeah. with me and that's okay. Yeah, okay, who wants to disagree? Anyone? Anyone out there want to disagree <laughs> right now? Right now? No? Um all right. Well, um uh yeah, Gwen says he's sinless. Hmm. You know, I should. Last week I learned not to just read these right off. Now I know Gwen though, and so I can I can read hers, but uh, um, and I can't read that far though. So anyway, um, I can't add comments right now. But you guys, um, um, I, I love this. So the question is, I mean, social justice. You, know, you brought up an example of one of of Joy International. Yeah, um, that's that's doing something that. Okay, we often we often think of missions as purely as the proclamation side, say of of the explaining the words, you know, and, and and praise God for those missions. Okay, we support a bunch of them um, around the world at Emmanuel Faith, and um, it's it's the the verbal proclamation, right? Um, but there's more to it than just that, mm-hmm. right? What's Joy International doing? Well, I, I think too, like. Let me, 
butt in there a little bit. Yeah. And I'd love to, I'll share their story. But I, I think there's something also to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Mm. That um, certainly we want to preach the gospel, but there's some genuine human needs that need to be met, mm -hmm. right? Which is why we saw G see Jesus doing that. Mm -hmm. um, Joy International was started by a man named Jeff Brodsky, Dr. Jeff Brodsky, Messianic Jew. Uh, he was um, on a trip in Cambodia and noticed that many of the girls he saw weren't wearing shoes. Hmm. And uh, he asked why, and they said, um, it's hard harder to run away. So these, wow. so they, their owners, quote unquote, oh, so I don't know who's listening, so I'll just use a general terms. would take their shoes so that they couldn't run away. Um, so Jeff has been at that moment, he said he went back to his hotel, wept and, um, decided that he wasn't going to wear shoes anymore either. So he lives in Colorado and, uh, Colorado. I, think, I think he's been eight years without shoes. I've heard it's cold there. It is cold there. You may know. Yeah, it is cold he's there. He's got eight years without shoes. Eight, eight or so. I don't know how, okay. how many years now. And okay. he's raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. He's trained, uh, airport workers wow. all over the world. He's he's led sting operations to hmm. rescue girls who are in slavery hmm. and um, just an amazing man of God, but very challenging. Like he'll, yeah, he, he'll make you uncomfortable. Yeah, I bet. Is uh, So not wearing shoes, is that sort of a way that he's listening? Yes. Trying to, yeah. to enter in, in a sense? And it's a way he's calling others to listen Ooh, to. Oh, wow. So, oh yeah. And, and like, this is something the prophets would do, right? Like totally they, they would, they <laughs> would do things like this. They'd make you uncomfortable and go, yeah. gosh, should I be not wearing shoes yeah. or what, what does this look like? Wow. And how can I be involved? And so at South in mm -hmm. Colorado, we were a part of his barefoot mile. So we would do a, you know, a fundraiser for a church and community where we would host a, a mile walk barefoot and, he would share the story and, and we were a part of that ministry, but hmm. yeah. So that's Dr. Jeff, an amazing guy, joy that's international. Really cool. What a great, what a great organization. I love that. Well, um, that's we're on number two only, like I said, I don't know if we're going to get through them all, but, um, the, the next, the next idea was embrace limits. Oh gosh. I hated that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 um, and let me quote you because I, yeah, I don't know here. You said that, you know, you said capitalism is the best economic system created and you didn't stop, but you said, but yeah. Okay. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did. But I wanted to be very clear about that. <laughs> you did. I know. Well, I know. It, because here's the, I've heard this. Well, yeah. if you talk about communal, like anything communal, yeah. it's going to lead to communism. And instead of just saying, no, I'm actually just pushing back against individualism, that mm. our lens, but it's not the Bible's lens, mm -hmm. and it's not the lens outside mm -hmm. of the West. Um, or if you talk about any sort of social change, it's going to lead to socialism, right? So uh, I wanted to go, like, I am a, I am, I'm an American capitalist. Mm -hmm. I, I am. I believe it's the best system. I really do. It may or may not be, but I believe that it is, right? And, um, but I do think that there are downsides to it. And the one that I pointed out is the one that I think Nehemiah is putting his finger on too. Yeah. And it's the growing disparity between the rich and the poor. Mm. The um, income inequality is one of the signs of a country that is in demise. Wow. And that's just 
statistics like mm-hmm. that's that like mm-hmm. sociologists have isolated that as a key issue for the health and flourishing of a country mm. now how we go about solving that my suggestion was like because i am a capitalist it means that those in positions of power and who are wealthy need to self-impose some limits mm. like nehemiah self-impose did. wow so it voluntarily choose to give and and see i think in honest capitalism they have to Mm. yeah otherwise like otherwise it's not then i mean it's it's capitalism within a a a republic and there can be some checks and balances there but i think a true capitalistic society that was self-regulating has to have people that say gosh this is enough like i couldn't ever spend this much money in my life Mm mm-hmm you know how, how much money does jeff bezos have now i mean yeah. how many lifetimes would it Not take enough. him to spend that yeah i mean that's the <laughs> that's, that's the, the mentality that's right? the rockefeller quote and how much money is. would be enough just a little just bit more a little more i know i know and so what you're saying is that that and and i and i remember hearing this as a kid before ever hearing this that there's something about america in particular that was unique is was our strong middle class and uh, yeah. and I, you know, kind of growing up as a kid during the Reagan years, and that was a big thing to talk about that. Yeah, about the middle class being strong, and and the middle class is the thing in between the old, you know, the poor, really poor, and the super rich. And um, more and more, I'm hearing that 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 middle class is less existent, or you know, right. is getting smaller and smaller, and there's a bigger divide. Yeah, and that's what, and that's what in even the history that I remember studying was what caused all sorts of problems. Yup. And maybe we're seeing some of that today. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. I, I don't know for sure, but I do know that the statistics point to that being a vital sign yeah, of health. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It is. And yet, so, I, so this, this, I mean, capitalism, as you said, here's another interesting yeah, side note. I didn't yeah, have time yeah, to get to this um, in the sermon. Uh, so they have identified the number and I think this is low in California. So we can just like add like 50% to it for California housing and all that. The number is $70,000. So like, that's the number at which like, you will be happier and happier and happier until you hit Mm -hmm. $70,000. But after that, your happiness doesn't go up at all Mm. as you make 80K or 90K or 100K or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like your happiness peaks at 70,000. Now you can be not as happy under that yeah. because you're trying to scrape to get yeah. by. But after you hit that and you have enough to sort of uh, make a living and make a life after that, you cap out. Is that right? Happiness caps out at 70 K. Wow. <laughs> so it's, so let's true. say in California, it's a hundred. <laughs> so it's true what they say. That you you to- can't buy happiness. Up into seventy thousand. Up into seventy thousand. You can up to seventy thousand. So there's, I mean, in a sense, there's a, I mean, there's there's a value to a society even of happy people, and so that would be a that would be a great society if if everybody had enough, not too much. It reminds me, um, Jesus' prayer, right? Yeah. The prayer. Um, he says, "Give us this day our daily bread," and uh, um, I've. I've heard that verse say he's actually quoting a psalm, mm. or is it? No, sorry, I'm sorry, it's a proverb, and I'd have to look this up, um, which I can do in just a minute. But um, the the proverb says, "Don't give me more than I oh, need." Oh yeah, 
or, or I might, uh, yes. you know, or, or I might curse God. He says, don't give me too little or I might steal. Yeah. He's actually saying, and he's actually saying, give me the, give me the, sort of, the middle, give me enough, give me enough, but not too much. I don't want too much. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to starve. No one wants to starve. Yeah. Give me just enough. And I think that's a great prayer. Gosh, it's a hard one. I, I think if we're honest, right? Cause man, I like to have more than enough. <laughs> I could use, yeah, I know with Rockefeller uh, sometimes. Gosh, it, it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So I, I was, when I said, gosh, I didn't like that one. I was just convicted to say, God, what does that look like in my life, God? And how can I honor you? And um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, okay. You said though, it's the, it's the best of the created. And by created, you mean human yeah. created, right? Um, which still means it's not perfect. Right. Um, the, the capitalism in itself is not perfect. And so part of what you're saying is this is how Christians can prophetically sure. speak into it. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've heard it said that the, the one thing you can, uh, you can do with money that takes away its power is to give it away. Mm, right. That's good. Cause yeah. money has power over us. It does, but that's the thing that, that letting it go, it, it takes away that power. Yeah. I think it's a, yeah. I mean, and you can, you could argue that the early church modeled this, right? They sold property and gave it to the apostles so that no one among them had need. Yeah. And in so many ways, everybody in that society was dependent on Caesar, you know? And mm -hmm. so the early church was saying to Caesar, we don't need you. We're, we've got each other. We're mm -hmm. okay. We're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. like, thanks, but no thanks. And, um, it was this very subversive, hmm. like communal, we're going to take care of each other. It's going to cost us, but we're all going to be better for it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And by the way, and I, we're going to get to the next one. Um, but I just so love that you brought up Rich Mullins. Oh, Rich. Anytime uh, I get a chance. If you, Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, look up Rich Mullins on Spotify or YouTube or anything. Um, and His album Songs is a good songs, place to yes. start. And, yeah, it's kind of the greatest uh, hits. There's oh. another one. I forget. It was a it was sort of like a B-Sides that he did just sitting at a piano shortly before he died. It's sort yeah. of got a white outline yeah. and a greenish tinted cover with a cross on it. But um, it's on the tip of my tongue. But I love it. So good. Songs, so okay. good. Oh, so such a great. Yeah. And I love that story you told about him. About uh, And you know, go back and listen to it. But um, he lived on on uh, the average working man's salary. Yeah, I think it was something like 35K in his day. Yes, exactly. Um, he uh, he was a millionaire, probably multiple, probably. multiple times over. Uh, there it is. The Jesus record, people. The Jesus record. The uh, Jesus yeah. record. Yeah. Um, um, fabulous. Fabulous. Man. Hard uh, man to God. get. Oh, such a good song. There's so many in there. That, okay. I could sing them right now, but, um, okay. Uh, I, I think this, I think though that, but that mindset of, of, um, it, it's not, see, Rich didn't abandon capitalism necessarily. Um, but he, that was a prophetic way to say, I'm not going to let my money yeah. kind of take hold of me. He redeemed it in some Ooh, ways, right? He redeemed he it. He bought it back. He redeemed it. That's right. That's right. And, and so he lived his life, um, in in uh in a way of serving which gets us to our next one so yep. so um serve sacrificially was uh, uh that's number four i think and uh that 
what we see Nehemiah doing is serving. Yeah, right. it, it struck me that he says, you know, I missed out on the opportunity to buy property or to get property mm -hmm. because I was serving all of you guys, right? right? Like, um, and I huh. think it was it was just his way of of saying this has cost me personally. Yeah. And I the thing that struck me about Nehemiah is, and I said this in the message, if you're sick of leaders who say one thing and do another, you're going to love Nehemiah because he he is just so centrally focused on this is what's right. And therefore it's what I'm going to say publicly, but it's also how I'm going to live privately. Mm. And he served the people around him and hmm. did so at a cost to him. And I, one of the things I was reminded of is that service is always a cost. There's always a cost. Mm -hmm. And that's why sometimes we push back against it. Yeah. Because it costs us. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm just going to say this is a sermon about generosity. So I was expecting you to say give sacrificially. Mm -hmm. But instead, you said serve. Now, Why? yet. Yeah. Well, okay. So it's for me, it's all under the banner of generosity. Uh -huh. But the text was about the way that he was serving yeah. the people. And one thing you'll notice about me, um, like I want to be driven by the text. Like mm -hmm. what did Nehemiah, how... God, teach us what generosity looks like in, under a bigger umbrella. Mm -hmm. And so he certainly, I'm sure, was generous with his money. Actually, we'll get to that next. He was in mm -hmm. a very specific way. Mm -hmm. um, but he was also generous with his gifts and his self and his platform mm -hmm. and the way that he utilized the power that he'd been given. I think that text I quoted out of Mark 10, where Jesus tells his disciples, you've heard it said that the from the Gentiles that their leaders lord it over them. And they exercise authority over them. Yeah. But it shall not be so among you. Yeah. Um, I think that's a formative text. I, I mm -hmm. was even, I was preaching that this week. This is a rabbit trail. Do you mm -hmm. care if I go please, there for a second? Please, go. Um, I was preaching that this weekend and and read that word authority. And mm -hmm. went, like, the, the uh, people in authority lord it over them. It shall not be so among you. And I went, oh, man, Lord, like, we talk a lot about authority within yeah. the church. Huh. And is that a healthy hmm. concept? Hmm. So I did a study one time, mm -hmm. and um, the, uh, the only person in the New Testament who teaches with authority is Jesus. The only person. Mm -hmm. Paul claims to have authority two different times. Hmm. It's in 2 Corinthians 10 and 2 Corinthians 13. Don't ask me the exact verses. Okay. Both times he says, I have authority to build up. Okay. And so I, I think as we look at like what a healthy response or healthy biblical authority hmm. is, if we listen to Jesus's words in Matthew or in Mark chapter 10, it's not to Lord anything over anyone. Like that's not, that's not a biblical authority unless it's over a demon. Because huh. they have the authority, oh. they have authority, yeah, yeah, yeah. the disciples to drive yeah. out demons. Yeah. They don't have authority in their teaching. The disciples didn't. Wow. Jesus did. Wow. And he says, All authority in heaven has been given to me in Matthew chapter 28. But and he says, I will be with you. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't say you have all authority mm -hmm. in heaven. No. So anyway, that's a and total well, side note. Actually, this fits. Does because, it? Okay, good. Thanks. Because I mean, well, Paul's words. That I have authority to build. I mean, this is oh. this is he has authority to to serve, to serve. and uh, help people. Yes, that's exactly yes. what he's saying. And then 
I mean, Jesus's authority, I mean, this is Jesus who he led um, not as one, like you're saying, uh, like the like the pagans do. Um, he led by washing feet. Washing feet, absolutely. That's the way that he showed by serving and and serving sacrificially, yeah. and especially. I mean, he was the sacrifice, right? So ultimate sacrifice. That is how he served us, and then still serves us today. Yes, is by serving sacrificially. And wow, and so that's. That's the way that we can prophetically live um, by serving others, yeah. uh, by by going against that. That is so against the grain of our culture, right? Because we're so much about take, taking us back to capitalism. That's the you know some of the downside of it is that it's all about accumulating. And and one of those limits is to say no, I, I'm going to to give away. Um, and that's, I think that's, that would be finances, but time well, is huge. And, and even think about our current political moment, right? Mm -hmm. What does it look like for us to serve sacrificially? I think there's a way that like, like what would it look like for Democrats to serve Republicans mm -hmm. or Republicans to serve Democrats and, and not so much of like, I'm going to defend my turf and I'm not going to give an inch because I know if I give someone an inch, they're going to capitalize on that and I'm never going to get it back. Yeah. Right, but to serve the people around us rather than grasping and clinging and climbing and all these things. Like, what would it look like for us to be people that that serve? Yeah. So that was the way I saw it applying even in a like very like so culturally apropos moment, like right now. That that would transform the narrative. That's right. Let's all write in Ryan for president. Mm, um, no way. Next. <laughs> no, we want to keep him here. No way. Um, all right. Um, finally, and we're, we're going to, we're going to wrap up here in just a couple minutes, but extend hospitality. And here we are in the, oh, uh, the worst time to be hospitable. And yet, um, tell me, how does this, how is, how does hospitality um, speak prophetically against our culture, our world. Tell me about how that how that works. Well, cause, so I think you could view hospitality as, you know, hosting somebody. Mm -hmm. That that's part of the idea. And there's a lot of ways to do that. The early church, like I like I said in the message, one of the ways they transformed the Roman culture was through hospitality. Mm -hmm. They opened their tables. Um, someone once suggested that that Luke's gospel is essentially Jesus eating his way from one story to another. That's right. What's his name? Yes. Yes. Tim Chester. Maybe. Somebody, yeah. Anyway, yeah. a meal with Jesus was the book I mean, yeah. that I wrote that, or that I wrote that yeah. I read about that. Uh, and, and it was fascinating because he's, he unpacked it and he went, Oh wow, that's there. I've never seen it, but it's right there. Right, yeah. And, um, so, but I do think that hosting is more than just eating food with people and it's more than opening your home. I think that hosting people is creating space and we can do that in our homes, but more importantly, we need to do that in our hearts hmm. and to create space for the other. So for the person that is, is not like us. And, and so think of it as hospitality towards people who disagree with you, hmm. hospitality towards people who annoy you hospitality. You can offer hospitality at work. It may look mm -hmm. like a conversation that, gosh, I just need to get from my office to the next office and I don't want to see that person. And oh, okay. All right. I'm going to yeah. be hospitable and mm. open my heart and myself and my life to the other. Yeah. 
wow, that I didn't see this till now, how much that relates to the the first point yeah. of, of listening. It, it all was sort of designed to like bookend it yeah. to go, yeah, the way that we look at other people matters Yeah, on this absolutely. journey of generosity. Absolutely. It's not enough to just give money. Hmm. It's more. Wow. And we, we can speak prophetically by, ooh, by the people that we're with. So, okay, Jesus, um, he made a strong prophetic statement in the people that he associated with, didn't he? I, I, some people, I don't know if it's Chester, is that who wrote that yeah, book? Yeah, it was Chester, yeah. yeah Meal Chester, with Jesus. Yeah. Um, so some people suggest that Jesus was killed because of the people he ate with. <laughs> You know, so that was one of the things that people just didn't like. And they had all sorts of table customs and yeah. every, that, that went into the reason that that pushed back culturally. Mm -hmm. But they, they made that argument. He got killed because of who he ate with. Wow. Which which he ate with, uh, you know, all the wrong people. All the wrong days, people. Right. I mean, I mean, he was called a friend of sinners. He ate with the... <laughs> apparently with the drunks yeah and uh with the the tax collectors in fact some of them were following him around and yeah called him disciples even yeah um yeah so that could make that could make the uh the establishment mad yeah i think on a lot of levels it would uh, not the least of which being well why aren't they eating with me yeah like, yeah. do, do, doesn't he know who I am? Yeah. And not just, I can't believe he's eating with them, but why isn't yeah. he eating with me? Yeah, that's a great point because, <laughs> you know, you never, I'm, let me see this. You don't see Jesus in the Bible, in, in the Gospels, ever uh, pursuing any of those people, but they're always coming to him. Yeah. I never thought about that. They are. They're, they're seeking after his attention. It's like he's going about his business healing people, you know, spending time with the wrong people, spending time with the lepers, spending time with the, the poor, yep. all that. And they come walking up to him like, yeah. hey, hey, wait a minute. What about me? Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's fascinating. That is. And so that was a way that he was speaking prophetically. He was giving them value right. and saying that all people have value. And that really gets to this whole thing because what the justice that that – that Jesus cares most about is, is people. I think that's Absolutely. something you said, that he cares about justice. Yeah, because... justice matters to Jesus because people matter to that's Jesus. Right. That's right. Yeah, and that's what it's all about for him. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's a it's a great way to, to think about sin, even. That the reason yeah. God hates sin that's so such much a great point. Yeah. is because of what it does to people. Yeah, and he loves people. And he loves people. So it's actually out of his love that he... The reason that he hates sin. He has so to hate sin. Be it's the opposite side of the coin of love, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. that, no doubt. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that's given me a few things to think about, Ryan. Me too, thank man. you very me much. Too. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, and everybody, thank you for joining us. Whether you're uh whether you've been with us, a bunch of you have been with us this whole time. And I want to say awesome. thank you so much for being here with us. And uh, thank you for for caring about about life and about how to live it. I mean, we're talking vital signs for life abundant. Um, that's what vitology is all about. That's what Emmanuel Faith is all about. And so we want to we want to continue the conversation. We pray that it would. Um, you can always uh, send questions in about really anything. As you'll see, we can talk. We'll talk about anything. Um, we don't we'll, maybe won't have all the answers. No, we certainly won't. But 
We'll have a response. We'll have a response. <laughs> and you can decide. You can decide, right? We're not coming here saying we're, we've got it all figured out. No. Um, but we want to process with you. And so you can send questions to, to questions at efcc.org. Okay. Questions at efcc.org. All right. God bless everybody. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Next time. Thanks for joining us.